0: Hello and welcome to the Military Maker Podcast. We're a group of military guys making the transition from the battlefield to the woodshop
1: who like to talk about making, running a business, innovating, creating, and whatever else comes to mind. So you just might learn something here or you may not, but what do you have to lose? So go ahead, pull up a seat and join us while we discuss our next mission. But remember folks, we are vets. Sometimes
2: we're <laughs> so yeah. watch your sex. Yeah,
3: buddy, how about you?
2: Hey, how you
3: doing? Hey, good evening. Glad you could join us.
1: Thank you, no problem.
2: Oh, I that doesn't look like a truck cab.
1: No, I just decided. You know what? I better. I'll wait forty five minutes and get this behind me, and I'll get on the road. I I got about a three and a half hour drive ahead of
0: me.
2: Man, appreciate it. Well, we're waiting on one to join us,
3: but um, I think we're we're good to go. He can squeeze in later. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Seriously, we really appreciate you joining us, uh, Stephen. Now you go by Steven or Steve, 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 okay.
1: whatever, anybody, anything you say, I answer to.
3: All right. I'll be that. Cause, uh, my father-in-law, his name is Charles and that's what he likes to go by. Oh
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it proper. I understand. <laughs> oh man. So this is pretty exciting, man. We've never had anybody on the show, uh, in the CNC realm or business or anything else like that. And, uh, I think this would be, uh, this would be uh, great information to get out there. And uh, we've, had a, we've had quite a few questions come across that we want to ask. But before we get on with all that stuff, you know, can you kind of give us a little story on your origins? Like, how, how did you get to where you're at now? Mm, wow. <laughs> in less than three minutes. <laughs> wow. Well.
1: You know, I, I don't really have anything special. You know, I, uh, I, I, my mom and my dad split up when I was about three. And, uh, we were, I was born in Indiana and, uh, lived up in Minnesota. And then we, uh, moved to North Carolina when I was three. And, uh, my mom and I lived with my grandparents. And then, uh, when I was about, I don't know, 10 or 11, my mom got married to uh, another man and sort of moved into the country and become a country boy. And uh, of course, when I turned 17, I was ready to go. And uh, so I I got in the delayed entry program, the U.S. Army, and uh, I joined the Army. Um, I went to... uh 91 alpha 91 bravo school uh went to fort jackson and then went out to fort sam houston and then went over to the 11th armored cab in fullville when it was open and then uh, subsequently they shut it down and i wound up at fort riley kansas at Irwin army community hospital
0: and i got uh i got ran over uh, after we
1: deployed out of Germany by a uh, water buffalo, believe it or not, uh, mm. um, come off the back of a five ton and run me over. So I spent about a year at Walter Reed hospital. And, uh, at the time I was planning on being a pilot, I had taken the fast test and was waiting for entry down at Fort Rucker. And anyway, it sort of soured me a little bit. Um, cause I wanted to fly and, uh, so, I came out of the army and uh was always sort of mechanical and went into uh doing small engine mechanicing. and from there uh you know things just having to take care of uh just living a friend of mine was working at the sheriff's office and offered me a job and I wound up going to work at uh, uh at the jail and uh worked there for a few years and then swapped over to the active law enforcement side and then did about uh 20 years in law enforcement total and uh on the side during that i I was doing woodworking and uh i i got into uh cnc machining and with routers mostly not much metal and um so i started building a few machines lightweight machines and I made my mind up once I got to a position where I could afford it. Um, I I, I couldn't never understand why CNC automation was so expensive, and uh, started building a few machines. And then um, about five years ago, I retired out of law enforcement and uh, decided to uh, open a business. Um, and the whole time, I had had a cabinet shop and. I had done some signage and different things like that and tried about everything. And it always revolved around automation, CNC, things like that. And so I started building a few and then um, we were totally word of mouth on the east coast and i found that there you know I, i've walked into something here that that i can make some good money at and i can help people and that was one thing that i really 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 missed in law enforcement i could give a damn less about the politics i made it to major i was as high as i could be in my uh in my department and i was never going to be a sheriff and it had got to the point where you spend most of your time worried about complaints and people being mad, as opposed to being out there changing tires for people. And, you know, so once I got out, I, there was a, uh, to be honest with you, there was a hole in my heart about not being, a, you know, I felt like I wasn't really helping anybody. And then when we started doing the CNC, I started realizing, wait a minute, you know, if, if I can do this in such a manner, that I can make some money and I could pay for the business and I could pay for employees and I can also help other people get into business where the average barrier was 25 to $50,000. That just, they, you know, you might as well be just trying to get gold out of somebody. Um, this, so then, uh, we went down the road where we tried to find some manufacturers that would build our specifications and it didn't work. And so we, a friend of mine had a uh, factory in China and uh, we actually started our own factory. And that is so that we could build uh, our gantries and our frames and then ship everything back to the US and then do all of our automation, electronics and things like that here because those are the things that people have problems with. So we keep that in house and keep all your QC in house. And um, then we end up where we're at today, you know and we're sort of some of the new kids kids on the block but we move a lot of machines and, and we are certainly putting a dent in the market.
3: Well, you That's know, about funny you said that. Um, I was just telling Chris before you came on here that uh, a couple of years ago, you know, when I was looking at getting a CNC machine, a large uh, form factor one, I was doing my research. And like you said, most everything I looked at was twenty five to fifty thousand dollars. I was like, man, gee whiz, I mean, I, and what i for what i wanted you know i wanted i wanted the 5x10 atc i didn't want a vacuum bed but i did want an atc set up the whole nine yards a little more horsepower than most of them came out with and i there's, there i didn't have that kind of money and i didn't want to i'm not i am not taking out a loan to have a cnc machine so you know i moved on to a you know one of your competitors and actually they're not really a competitor because I mean honestly this market there's so few manufacturers and so many people who want cncs now right
1: right well you know to be honest with you uh for the most part all of us are in the same game we buy from same vendors there's only so many ways to put it together It's Mm -hmm. just imagine it's it for the most part, it's a matter of your profit margin and who your clientele is and how you do it. And so the 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 direction that we took was and and I realize this is going to sound bad to some people, but my customers really, really like it. We took a generic.
0: I took common parts that you could buy and put
1: them together the way I wanted them to put together. We don't have options on any of our machines. Machines come optioned out from the beginning. So if you get an ATC from me, you're gonna get a 16.1 horsepower spindle. You're not gonna get 15 choices so I can milk you for another dollar. Mm. Uh, and, And, What we sort of pride ourselves in, um, and we do this every single day, is we solve the problems that a lot of customers don't even know that they have. And that means they call and they say, well, I want a CNC, but you never hear them ask the question, what kind of power does it run on, you know? Uh, what you know kind of spindle comes with that? What They don't mm-hmm. know to ask those things. And mm-hmm. um, next thing you know, they've got a machine that they get to their house that they can't turn on. And, you know, with us, it, it always is the same questions for the first 15 minutes. And then once they figure out, wait a minute, these, these folks are here to try to help me and not try to just make money off of me. Um, that that's sort of where we wind up and I tell as many people every day that you're looking at the wrong machine as I do, you're looking at a, you need a more expensive machine. I, I constantly have folks call that say, Hey, I want the top of the line machine. And then you've got to ask the question, do you want to do that? Cause you just have the money to spend mm-hmm. or do you want, do you do that because you need that actual production capability? So those are sort of the comments that you have to have up front. And once you get those up front and folks start understanding, hey, you know, um, I realize I'm going to forget to ask a question, but they're not going to let me make a mistake. Then you, you've you got people for life.
3: Mm. Yeah, that, that brings me back to what I was getting to earlier. Like when I was doing search, so, you know, shop bot, things like that, and i see you. So your, your, your social media campaign is, is, is pretty recent, right? Within the last oh, I, year.
1: I, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I sold everything by word of mouth. and yep. I got picked up by, I got a phone call one day and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say it. Izzy swan. If he was on here, he'd tell you, hmm. I got a phone call one day that a uh, guy calls and he, he wants to know, you know, is this phantom CNC and, uh, I want to ask questions about your ATC and how much is it? What does it come with? And I mean, just sort of aggressive and it wasn't too long before we had a conversation about, Hey man, look, I, I, I'm not here to, you know, I don't want to fight if, if there's something you want to know, ask me what it is, because I'm not going to try to sell you anything. Hmm. You, you tell me what it was. and. Then it wasn't long before he popped the question of, well, do you know who I am? And I'm going to tell you, in eastern North Carolina, that question never goes far. I'm not sure where it does everywhere else, but most of the time that doesn't come with, no, I don't, sir, would you tell me? But, you know, I had listened to Izzy for years on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I said, man, I'm going to tell you, you sound like Izzy Swan. And, me. and he said, well, that's who it is. And he said, I'll tell you why I'm irritated, is." I've been looking for a C for CNC for six months. And he said, you know, you would think these companies know who I am and you would know not to BS me. And Mm -hmm. I just got off the phone with one that knows not to tell me a lie because I know better and you know, your prices and it just doesn't sound right. To be honest with you. I said, well, look, here's the deal. I'll let you run your YouTube channel. If you let me run my business. And if you want to, if you want to come check it out, then that's the right thing. And so about two weeks later, he came up and he posted and fell in love with the place. Uh, you know, couldn't believe it. And We He instantly bought two machines. Um, those are his machines outright bought. We hadn't discussed YouTube. We hadn't discussed Instagram. And he basically said, listen, um, you know, I, I feel like I can do more for my for my viewership of promoting your company, then I can't hear by doing anything else. And I don't want to dime for it. So, uh, you know, we we started just becoming real good friends. And uh, since then, um, we've picked up a lot of, uh, I say a lot, four or five content creators. And we're really sort of funny about that. I, I, I completely understand that I can buy advertising but this is a game of, of chess, not checkers. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is long-term and I, you know, my content creators, uh, for instance, is a like a guy named Nick Leonard at stated woods? Mm-hmm. He, he's 10 to 30,000 hard worker. Honest. Uh, will tell you the truth. He's not going to support anything that he doesn't like. And those are the people that, that we want to go for. And, um, It has, I'm going to tell you, I, so being in law enforcement, I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have those things. And, and I'm not, I'm still not extremely adept. However, uh, I will tell you this, a, a word of advice to any business person. What I have found is if you like turning wrenches and you like doing those type of things, you better be careful about starting this kind of business because you're going to quickly evolve into a phone call person, uh, videos talking to people and you're not going to have time to get yourself
0: greasy. Mm-hmm. And you know, so for me, I, even though I, I touch most every machine and um,
1: I'm with every machine um i don't get to spend the time now i spend most of my time dealing with customers and making sure people are getting what they need and making sure that they're getting the service that they need and um we've we've grown to about six people here and uh they're just uh i got a fantastic staff i mean if it wasn't for them i couldn't make it they just there's no way so anybody that wants to do this i i would advise them to uh understand social media um before they jump into it like I did.
3: Good advice. I, I totally agree with you. That's uh it's a that's a that's a that's a beast in itself. Almost a full time job right there. It's just so guess what, you know. what you're doing. No,
1: you know, even just this podcast is interesting. I was talking to somebody this afternoon. I mean, I've literally had three, four, five contacts from y'all between email scheduling, talking, do's don'ts, you know, listen, I I'm telling you that number one takes time, but it also takes money. And what I found in the YouTube and the Instagram world is, um, Again, a lot of times people treat it like checkers, and that's the reason they're not here two weeks from now, mm-hmm. two months from now. Um, I I do not envy what you're doing as much as I appreciate it. I I can't, I couldn't, it's just, you know, the pressure that it takes to come up with new media and trying to make it work, I, I completely understand it. I really do. Um, and I watch Izzy with these YouTube channels. but people have no idea that a three minute video takes hours to make <laughs> just un- unreal. What goes on in the background?
3: Oh man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that. I know that. I mean, especially when you do a project video, you start with 10 hours of footage you doing whatever and you got to try to distill that down to five minutes actually doing something
1: you know if somebody wants to look at our youtube channel we've got five videos on there that uh took literally 14 hours to get the film and then it took our the videographer about three weeks to get it cut up get it nice get it set up i'm telling you it's it's a unreal amount of time for such a for such a small amount of ratification i guess you would say
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: that that you know is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time because not all things work that way and it doesn't lead people to be very appreciative of what you put into something
3: so uh when I uh, when I first started talking to you I started looking at y'all's website, and I noticed that you have these two machines. These uh, they're four by fours um, for this outrageously low price. I like I was totally blown away. I'm like, man if you yeah. were around two years ago i'd have a blue machine in my garage two of them probably yeah. and, so, and we, we were around we just
1: i mean but if i that knew that about the and, and i know that i really do and and to be honest with you until we went to uh instagram and you, i never realized what the market was out there i i just didn't i, I never knew it was there and you know, the, those machines are, we're really, really, really proud of those two machines, because we spent a ton of engineering time and a ton of time trying to buy parts that were readily, readily available, and also making it to where, you know, there's a lot of constraints that you have to think about, like, how do you ship it? Um, I, I just, you know, I, I learned so much doing those, we're really proud of those, and Those are actually shipping from my factory on the 30th of this month. So we we did a pre-sale and almost instantly sold out. So Hmm. we we extended it for one more uh, um, container, which we could do. And uh, it's gonna be interesting. We've got IWF coming up and one of our main competitors is launching a four by four and, you know, to be honest with you, I, I saw their ad today, and, and I think their price is 21 9 What? And I'm about six booths down from them. And I think ours is going to be, that's no vacuum table, three-horsepower spindle. I mean, ours is with vacuum table, six-horsepower spindle, and you're going to be in the 12.5 range. For the back pumps, that's dust collection, machine and all. And, and we do fine off that machine. You know, we, we are a uh, percentage-based company, so I, I really probably should do differently, supply and demand. But um, I like the percentage model because I don't have to do a lot of guessing, and I don't have to say, well, I can offer you a discount today. Um, I've never had to do that. Um, and, and I will say this, I have learned that prices can hurt your business because people feel like if you're not caught, if you're not charging a lot, you're not worth a lot. Um, however, what I have found is those people that are not willing to investigate their purchase are not the ones that we want for customers in the first place. And there's a lot of folks that I tell, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm just probably not the right company for you. You know, if, if you're looking for, um, you know, a Ferrari that cost a quarter million dollars. They, and we're just not the right company. We are primarily uh, small companies, people that are getting started, people that need a total package. Um, Fred, a lot of people are fresh. They've never touched machines. But, yeah, we're, we're proud of those. And and we're if you notice, our lineup doesn't consist of tons of machines. And that is because I spent 20 years with a, uh, with several brands and, and you mentioned ShopBot, and I will tell you something, um, Shopbot is a great company and they're good people. Uh, they're lightweight machines. We, we are in sort of the same market. I owned a ShopBot when I first started and I'm only going to tell it like it is. They were good to me, man. And their customer service was great. I don't know how it is now, Um, I had some issues with that machine um, and and it all revolved around construction. And, you know, I don't think if you called ShopBot and you said, hey, I need a machine that I can run 50 sheets across a day, that they would say, hey, this is a great machine for that. I don't believe they would do that. But, um, you know, so I've learned that there are some companies out there that are just toxic companies Um, And it's not because they don't have good products. Most everybody has a decent product. Um, It's the personnel. It's the way it's handled. It's the way it's pushed off. And, you know, the first thing they want to put down somebody else, look, just let your stuff stand on its own. And and people will tell it. And that's one thing I like about the social media is you will not make a mistake that something won't get told. I promise you, you know, And, and to this day, as far as i know i've only had one or two that were just trolls um i like that to be honest with you you're sort of held accountable you can't get away with much Mm.
3: yeah that's true that's true i have i have i've had a few trolls in my uh in my uh videos in the past people don't like uh, how i operate sometimes in my shop so you know i get my trolls
0: well
1: It just means you're pissing somebody off. That means that they're they're leaving somebody else alone. Mm -hmm. If they're going after you, they're leaving somebody else alone.
3: So. Now now you said you've been you've been doing this for about what 10 years now correct
1: Well bill actually building machines and manufacturing machines uh, probably 10 years but only the welded hardcore frames the bigger machines about 5 years
3: Okay so are you are you seeing a shift in in the in the market of CNC machines is it like I mean, how how big of an explosion is this as far as the small shop, the hobbyist, the you know, I mean,
1: I'm not just seeing a shift. I'm making a shift. And I'm going to tell you what the shift was waiting on. The shift was waiting on economical equipment that could stand industrial level work because we have an entire world out there trained to use these machines already. And what I mean by that is everybody is walking around with a cell phone in their pocket that operates the exact same way as a CNC. You know, if you stop and you count the number of buttons that you have to push to unlock your phone, dial a phone number, check your Gmail, whatever the things that you do. The CNC market's the exact same way. Using it's exactly the same way. It's a series of algorithms. And as technology uh becomes more and more affordable and what we're doing, and we've been contacted by a couple of companies already that, you know, would love to see me go away. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just not gonna do it. I I'm I'm going to force that market to, to either adjust or get the hell out of my way because You know, I'm going to tell you, um, when I bought my ShopBot, it was about $18,000 for 20 boxes of extruded aluminum and bolts that took me about a week and a half to put together. It's just a load of horse crap. This technology is 1980s technology. We're not doing anything new. We're not doing anything novel. There's plenty of educational material online. And so, am I seeing a shift? Yes. But the real shift that I'm seeing is that used to, when people said the word CNC, um, it was like there's not a real woodworker. You're not a real woodworker if you do
3: Right, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and most of the ones that said that, they were either older guys that had, you know, plenty of work anyway, very niche markets. Or they were the guys that had two other jobs that didn't have to make money out of the shop. So the guys that had them, they didn't give a damn whether you called it woodworking or not. They got to produce. And I, I think that's going away. And that was the stigma. And I think all of that was based in a fear of ignorance. It was just afraid of the machine. And nobody wants to admit they're afraid of it. But listen, when you're standing in front of a 3,000, 4,000 pound machine by yourself for the first time, and you just spent 20 grand on it, um, look, being intimidated is part of the process. And I think that's probably what we bring to the market that a lot of people don't, is we do everything we can. We we offer free training with every machine for life. So if you, uh, if you hire an employee six months from now and you have one of our machines, you send them down here and we'll run them through a course. We'll give them a And it, it boils down to taking some of the automation in the machines and making it more simple, like one-button homing, you know, uh, one button to set your G54, G56. I, I mean, so – what we have found is, um, yeah, there's a shift to it, but it's no different than 3D printing. And, you know, 3D printing, I think, had a little easier time because there wasn't an older crowd that was scared of it. And I don't mean that to be rude, but they had just never touched it before. So, yeah, it, it's coming. And, and we just are scratching the surface, just barely scratching the surface.
3: Oh, I, I, uh, go
2: ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we got Flash on here now. So uh Steve, I don't know if you know Flash, but Flash, you mind introducing yourself and uh then uh, I just want to brag on these two real quick before before he does that. Both of them run CNCs. Sarge, I don't know if he told you what he's got, but he's got a five by ten avid. Um and then I know Flash does a lot of CNC work. I'm the I'm the novice for sure on on CNC. And uh, but pardon me. Flash, how you doing tonight?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you. Sorry I was a little bit late. Uh Zoom forced me to do an update as I was logging in. So um yeah, so I'm I'm the uh, Lone Air Force guy on the on the panel and uh just retired in 2020 with 30 years. Um, I do have a CNC. It's a hobbyist uh, style CNC, carbide 3D uh, type shape OCO stuff. Nothing. I'm clearly a hobbyist. I even consider myself a hobbyist woodworker, to be honest with you. These guys know that. I say that all the time. I didn't know there
1: was any other kind. (laughs) Honestly, I get that every day.
0: Right. But uh, I I am at some point looking, looking forward to taking that next step into something a little bit, little bit more substantial. Um, maybe in about 18 months, I got a plan to build a shop here on our little bit of land. And um, when I do that, I'm really going to put a lot of attention into building the shop the way I want it and need it. And uh, I'm just going to be retired, man. 18 months, I think is what it's going to take. And I'm going to be fully retired and piddling in the shop and doing my thing. So I was just going through your page. Of course, you know, being a, being a veteran like yourselves, I was admiring the one that has the, you know, U.S. flag front on it and the the, uh, eagle and the flag up on the, uh, yeah, just sharp looking machine.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a lot of that upcoming, to be honest with you. um, Something that has just really taken a lot of time is our compression roller system um it's just taken a lot of r&d and a lot of time to get developed and to get programmed and we've gone from manual systems to automatic now and uh now that i think that's sort of behind me i can move on and we're going to do graphics packages and some things like that and um we bought a new printing system for it and uh you know, I think there's a lot of things we can do in the future and what we just, you know, we, we've got to make sure that we can do it economically and uh, do it where people can afford it, you know. Mm-hmm.
3: So, Steve, how did you guys come up with the name Phantom?
1: Um, well, a friend of mine, you're going to laugh about it, but... Uh, <laughs> um, a friend of mine sort of came up with it and said, you know, these companies can't figure where the hell you came from. You just (laughs) came up like a fan. And, uh, I think a lot of them are because there's virtually none of them that don't know who we are. And I, I can't tell you how many times a week, uh, I get phone calls where people say, I've put a deposit down with this company or I've done this. Let me make a few phone calls and I'll call you back. And they've got to know it's us. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't call anybody out. It, you let your machine stand for their self. Um, when you go home, you grab your Avid on one end of it and you try to pick it up and see if you can do it. And then you come pick my smallest one up. And uh, it didn't take many times of doing that. We're all, you know, I, I don't like talking bad about equipment. Avid is not a bad piece of equipment. And they have a niche. If you need to get through a 3068 door, it's a good company to have. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's not doing that, you know. Um, if there's other reasons why you need a lightweight machine, then that's a good place to go. We, there's enough out there for everybody that... Um, I'm satisfied that everybody can can get a piece of the market, and there's plenty of customers.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that roller ideal. That's uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool stuff. I um, I'm pretty impressed with that, and that's definitely a, a feature that's uh, that's next can, level, man. That's so let me ask level. you this, Steve: <laughs> With those rollers, can you eliminate having clamps all together?
1: Absolutely. So the reason we put the rollers on them. And so I and and I'm talking. I want you to understand. I'm talking from 20 years of doing this, as opposed to being a salesman. It sort of sucks to be a terrible salesman and own a CNC company. <laughs> so um, you, you 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 know what I'm telling you is what I did for years. I told you that I had started out with a shop bot, no vacuum table, uh, MDF. It was a plyboard table with the MDF on top of it and i was really limited to my fixturing meaning my putting my stuff on the table and holding it still and what people are going to find out um it's sort of like well i mean for lack of a better analogy a lot like sex there's a whole lot of build up to it not a lot of time so you spend tons of time putting stuff on that table and then the cool shit is over in five minutes well that is really what heats up your time. And one thing, the first thing I tell people every time is, listen, you're here to buy CNC, but let me, let me tell you what you're here really to buy. You're not here to buy CNC. You think you sell bowls. You think you sell cabinetry. You think you sell wood products. You don't. The Lord is going to give you eight to 10 hours a day that he's going to let you suck up oxygen and dick around in the shop. You're selling time, my friend, that's all. And if this CNC does not save you time, do not buy it. Because now, if you're buying it as a play toy, like a boat or like anything, like a video game system, yeah, then go ahead, do that. But if you're buying this to make money and it's not saving you time, then do not do it. Because these systems are designed for repeatability, accuracy, and to save time. That's all they do. So anything we can do, to save time and make it more flexible. And what I found was most of my damn time was tied up in fixturing, trying to hold it down, whether it was Raptor nails, plastic nails, whether it was clamps, which I had the best ability to run into a damn clamp. If it was at the end of the table, I would figure out a way to run the machine into it. to vacuums, and then when you start dealing with vacuums, we have tables, and by the, all of our machines are 220. Um, and then you start dealing with vacuum systems, you have to understand that a, a big Becker pump, or one of these big vac systems, it costs six to $8,000. So what we did is developed a system that uses rotary blowers, so we basically can suck a whole table down for about uh, 1,600 bucks. And But at the same time, there's a lot of these products that still you can't afford. All it takes is one slip with a now $100 sheet of plywood um, that you're in trouble. So uh, what we did was just develop another system that, you know, you put in your tool belt. So there there's not a one fixes all, but there's an entire method behind the madness and uh, fixturing is a art not a science so you can't Mm -hmm. let anybody fool you um i I don't know if y'all run into that but i'm telling you i've put some stuff on that table that just decided it wasn't going to sit still (laughs) and that's why we did that that's why we came up with that system
3: Mm -hmm. yeah i I think it's i think it's brilliant Uh, uh and you don't need a vacuum table to make that work
1: You don't know. But for us, we put it on all of our vacuum table systems uh, on all of our every machine we have comes with uh, compression rollers. Now, except for the SCR series and the the SCR, you know, a lot of people ask where that came from because it's sort of a funny name. Um, I own the same company in Costa Rica. And I, I visited there a lot and it just was heartbreaking mm-hmm. to see some of these folks down there doing stuff by hand. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say getting taken advantage of, but I'm going to say a lot of people would step in and, uh, you know, buy what they did for $3 and then they go out and sell it to tourists for 30 so um, I, I just got a hair up my ass one day and decided, you know what, I'm going to open a company here and I'm going to offer a machine down here that these folks can afford. And if I need to come up with a finance option, if I need to come up with a way to do it. So we built what we called the SCR model, which was a, a smaller four by eight aluminum top machine. And uh, so that was tailored for that market. And subsequently, uh, we actually had a container that was having a difficult time going through the port there. So I had it diverted and brought it up to the United States. And we did all the rest of the programming here, and they sold out almost immediately because that machine started out here because of tariffs and stuff like that at about 16.5 mm-hmm. for a four by eight machine with a four and a half horsepower spindle. So you you move past that, and any machine that you see that has the bake like tables is going to have the automated rollers built
3: into it. Yeah, I like that. I need I need some automated rollers.
1: <laughs> uh, if you're going to do sheet goods, they're tremendously valuable. If you're going to do EPS, uh, that that is like marine mat or uh, some of these other. Uh, type of foam items for flooring and things like, especially in the boating market. Um, They are tremendously valuable. And again, it's on and off time cycle. How fast can we get it on? How fast can we get it off? And at the end of the day, that's where the money's made.
3: Now, I have a few questions for you. Um, Excuse me. Have you noticed an increase in people who want to do more three-dimensional type work? (laughs) <laughs> and cause I noticed lately I've saw a few of your posts and it looks like you got quite a few machines going out with rotaries on them or they automatically come with a rotary.
1: No, no, it's an option. And the reason <clears throat> we're doing it is because we're so cheap on them. We charge $5,000 for a rotary option, period. I don't have a bunch of haggling and a bunch of damn talking about it. If you want my machine, you want a rotary on it, you're only going to get one style rotary. It's going to be the complete length rotary with a 300 millimeter chuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, well, the reason that that's happening is because now people can get it in their hands, Um, that, that's what we call a four ax machine, um, three dimensional carving. I would advise most everybody, unless you have a very niche market, stay away from it because it takes a tremendous amount of time to do that. And if you're getting paid by the hour, it's going to be difficult to get your money back for 3d carving. But yeah, there's a lot of machine. In fact, I'm getting ready to deliver a rotary when we get off here, and it that is simply a pricing thing. And I did that honestly, just to tell you the truth, to, to piss the rest of the market off. I want them to have to catch up. Um, they they just they going they either going to have to buy me out or send somebody to kill me because I'm not going to quit doing it. And and I know that they can't do it for $5,000 because I know where they buy the chuck from. I know where they buy the gearboxes from. I know where they buy the motors from. We buy them from the all-saint place. They just going to have to catch up or get out of the way.
2: Can I jump on that real quick and just highlight kind of veteran entrepreneurs? I think we talked about it or uh, y'all talked about it a few episodes ago. And uh, uh, I I just love that. I mean, you're in it to win it and not so much to win it, but you're it's advocating for your customers and bringing them that capability that's been out there, like you said, since the eighties, but, uh, well, a you know,
1: you look at the aircraft and, you know, the aircraft industry just has moved to fuel injected engines. Now, listen, you can talk to every engineer and everybody can justify their own damn position. But until two or three years ago, they're still running carbureted engines, running leaded gas. <laughs> oh, man, I got a Toyota to do 300,000 miles. Why do I need to pay $50,000 for that? It was because that market was designed to be owned by rich people. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just all there is to it. You know, Every day you're driving down the road, you're six inches from death, and you don't see everybody dying up and down the road. Mm-hmm. It's because technology caught up. And it that particular market if you say the word marine or you say the word aviation no it's it's kept from everybody and it was if you say the word cnc no unless you're the right one damn. no i'm gonna put a dent in that now does that mean that i can do it for free no it doesn't but i can tell you that um a lot of the vets that are coming out. And, and that's one thing that I did, I've got to admit that I think I got out of the US Army is uh, PMCS, God, Jesus, all the time, checks and services, dash eight, we added dash sixty. We had, it was algorithm, <laughs> man. Follow it, do it by the numbers. Hmm. CNC is do it by the numbers, that's all there is to it. So a lot of these vets getting out, they don't realize they're already trained for this. It's just a different set of numbers, you know. Yeah, yep. um, and, and that's a lot of a lot of kids are like that too.
3: Yeah, I, th- I um, so kind of get on a little less serious subject. So, in all your time as someone who's built CNCs and you know researched the market and probably known a lot of people who use them, including yourself, what is the craziest thing? you ever seen someone do on a CNC machine. Oh mm. uh, you mean project? <laughs> I mean like, yeah, just just like something you just sit back and like, huh?
1: Well, I, I guess a couple of things. One of the craziest things that um or, or two of them comes to mind is I had a customer that used to carve pumpkins um for Halloween. You know, and and that was really cool. And then um, when I, we we started doing some slice modeling of boat parts and that we had a boat company here that we really liked and we wanted to support and they were building a pretty big boat, 37 foot, and they needed a new uh, salon for the front of it and some chairs and things like that. And just the molds were going to wind up costing a hundred thousand dollars. And what we figured out was, wait a minute, why? how come we can't build the bucks the same way a 3D printer makes a model? So we just took the model, threw it into fusion, sliced it up, made it into slices, and then started building it. It wound up being, we wound up doing many of them, but it wound up being about uh you know, 12 foot long by about six and a half foot tall, weighed about 1500 pounds. And all it was, was we took the model in fusion, drilled some holes in it, used dowel rods to line everything up and then cut this huge, gigantic 3d model on a 3d machine. And it was three axis. There's no four axis involved. Um, You know, I've I've seen a lot of things like that, and and it's every day. I got a guy just sent a machine up to, uh, um, I wish I could show you the video. I just sent a machine up to Canada, and the guy is machining concrete. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So he's got a big rotary machine, and what they are doing is here in the States, we call it drive it or stucco. Well, they have big EPS poles, lightweight EPS poles that they, or cylinders, that they cut the grooves in. They spray it with a concrete mixture, and then they use that overhang off the gantry to machine that mixture off, which gives them their their shapes and their cuts in it. And that's really one of the coolest things I think that I've seen. Um, that I think somebody could do here in the states. Um, I'm kind of curious,
3: kind of curious, know what kind of bits and things like that they're using for just
1: that. Just diamond burrs, that's all. Oh, okay, and then all of our machines come with liquid and air cooling that sticks off the side of the uh, spindle, so they're just blowing a little bit of water down on top of it to keep it cool, mm-hmm. and uh, it it works tremendously well. I, I was, it was not something that I ever expected to see
3: that's pretty cool <laughs> real neat <clears throat> i guess that beats, uh you know making molds and casting when you just i mean that sounds like it's probably a lot quicker process also
1: it is and yeah. and making the bucks that way is a whole lot a whole lot better too and when when people you know if, if you're not careful everybody thinks you have to have this big 40 uh 40 foot long Fifteen foot five axis mill to do this stuff? No, absolutely not. Take the same approach that they do on three D printers and just slice it and lay it up on top of each other.
3: I've done I've done something similar to that with uh, like right now I'm working on this uh, furniture piece and I'm just using plywood, but you know three quarter isn't isn't thick enough, so I'm basically making slices and then I got holes where i put quarter inch dowels so i can line that's everything right. up and glue it up and
1: that's absolutely right that's exactly put its fusion is especially good at it and i, I don't know what you use but that's exactly the same thing. You're using registration pins and that's another yeah. trick that we teach our our, uh, our all of our clients is how to put registration <laughs> pins in your table. And then every time you go to line something up, you pop two pins down in it. Or our, our ATCs have them built in, they pop out of the table. But the smaller machines, you can just put pins right at the top of the table, stick them in, butt everything up to it, pull them out, and keep on getting it. And then everything maintains registration A and B side.
3: Yeah, nice. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's just, you know, sit back and go, ah, that's, that worked. That's awesome.
1: It is. I'm sweet, I,
3: baby. <laughs> it's so cool. I, I still,
1: to this day... And and customers don't believe it. But, dude, I I still love it. I enjoy it. I love to walk in there and look at that machine and watch it. The first time I turn any of them on because they came from my hands, they came from my people, I feel that same way. And uh, I'm as nervous when a customer gets home with one as they are because I want to make sure that they're enjoying it. I want to make sure that it's working for them. Um, uh, I still, and, and I guess I will continue to do that, do this until I don't feel that way. But right now I just, I, I love it.
3: Now does, uh, do the, do you guys have the ability to do like a vertical table on yours, on the machine?
1: yeah and and, but i'm going to tell you the easiest way to do that and and you're talking about for like dovetailing and things like that
3: correct Yep.
1: so one cool thing about the rotary the way we've got it made is it's a quick disconnect so you could technically put your rotor your rotary on rollers and you could quick disconnect and just slide the rotary right out of the way and then build a custom jig to hold anything up that you wanted And then I've had a couple of customers because of the way we build the table, you can actually cut a slice in the table to hold anything vertically that you want because the way we've got the framing built underneath of it it allows you a lot of flexibility, but we don't do a ton of that built into the, into the machine because there's so many different needs. And um, out of my, you know, 20 years of running a shop, at night and, and building stuff, i always cut dovetails by a different mechanism. So, you know, you, you have to, one thing I have learned is you have to pick and choose what you're gonna be good at. Mm-hmm. And if your machine is good at everything, it will not be great at anything. And we, we just had to make the decision, what are we going to put into it? And it's similar to our choice of using gearboxes on every machine. You know, we use gearboxes. Does that cut me down by a couple hundred inches a minute? Sure. But I've got gobs of torque. So, you know, I can power through uh, any piece of plywood at 400. Even my smallest machines will cut full depth three quarter machine at 400 inches a minute. Um, It it, you have to pick and choose what you do. And I have to be careful about that because I'm not going to lie to you. I want to do everything. I want to put LEDs on it. I want to put, you know, I've got a machine that has twin rotaries, one on each side. I've I've built machines that we call the super speed, which has uh, a fast change rotary on the end of the gantry. And look, there's all this exotic stuff that you can do. Um, but again, it boils down to what can you get in these people's hands and, and what can you get out there that people can afford? And, and that's uh, honestly, that's where we're at right now is just trying to get these machines on the market to help people. Uh, we're going to IWF this year and that's going to be, I'm going to be a very, very small fish in a very, very big pond. Um. But I'm going to be interested to see uh, how we stack up to some of these other CNC companies. You know, Um, I'm interested.
3: Where is that going to be at this year?
1: It's in Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta. Man, I I love IWF. I mean, I, I used to go to all of them and never, ever, ever thought that I would show there one day. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was sort of a dream. And, you know, I I had a dream of I wanted to build a piece of equipment that helped build something, go to space. And, you know, we do a plasma system that we actually sold two of them to a company in Florida that makes uh, now it doesn't go to space. But, uh, it, it, they have a liquid oxygen tank that when the, it gets ready to fire, they have to move that tank about 80 foot in about a second and a half. And there's a big trolley driven by these thousand horsepower pumps and they're using our machines to cut out those plates to make that, you know? So, uh, we got a call to go down and do some service work and down in Florida at that, we got to go down and look at it and look at what they were making and, you know, it sort of made me feel like, "Hey, you know what? We we actually are, we are participating." You know,
2: Steve, what's your training program look like? I think you told me you you had uh, a guy that's retiring come in on the internship program. What's it look like for your your people uh, on the buying a machine?
1: Yeah, so we we uh, we have a uh, retired pilot who's getting ready to come in. He, he was a Apache Black Hawk pilot. He's coming in to work with us and, and do the veterans training deal as he gets out to get some skill and, and the U S army pays him. And we basically, they make a deal with us to um, if we'll let him intern with us, that they pay him to do it. So um, now for our customers, um, depending on what their education level is and depending on what their their skill is. We'll sort of tailor, uh, what we do. Now we, I, I'm, I, you know, I don't know how this program is or how y'all are all about promotionals, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, I met a guy named Kyle at learn your CNC is the name of the program. And I went out to workbench. That was the first, uh, that was the first, show that we sort of did. And of course there was a lot of YouTube people there. And um this young kid, and and I would say this if he was sitting here, this young kid sort of wet behind the ears came up to me and started talking and said, hey, I've made these videos for uh how to run a CNC and um and i I've, I've made them about VCARV and VCARV happens to be a program that I use a lot. And I said, well, sure, kid, I'll be glad to look at it. And you you understand how that goes. Well, he he contacted me later on, sent me a copy of it. And I'm going to tell you, it blew me out of the water. This cat is hot. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, there is no better training out there for the money than what he offers. And so we sell that training package with almost every machine. And then what we do is when the customers come in, we really sort of go after what they're working on. So if they say, hey, we're cutting EPS, that's what we're gonna try to specialize in. But the first part of our training is always called circles and squares. And what we wanna do is if you can teach somebody to cut a circle and a square, they can cut anything else. Um, And then we do some of our little more advanced training, like advanced fixturing and things like that. And then it, it happens all the time. We'll have a company that bought from us that says, hey, now this is a year and a half, two years later. My CNC operator quit. I'm in a bind could I send them down? Yeah, you come on, send them on. We've got an apartment here at our facility. So uh, people don't have to get a hotel room when they come out, they stay here overnight and then uh, they can go on. And um, so you ask what our training is, to be honest with you, the the customer sort of dictates what the training is more than anything.
3: That's pretty good. I, uh, I, 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 You know, I can imagine this, especially with a lot of these hobbyist type machines and things like that. A lot of people are buying things and, you know, they have no clue. And I can almost guarantee there's people who buy one and never turned it on. Dude,
1: it happens all the time. You have no idea. You have. No, and I'll tell you what the bad thing is. And, and it, I understand they're selling it for money, but it pisses me off because it is giving us all a bad reputation. You know, it's screwing everybody, don't do that. If you're gonna sell a piece of crap, at least tell somebody, listen, this is an economy machine, only expect this much out of it. And I constantly battle that all the time. Um, but you're absolutely right. You wouldn't and then the people that call me on a daily basis say, Hey, do you have a laser attachment for it? Let me tell you something, bud. You will never see a laser on my CNC. I've got several lasers, fiber lasers, CO2. Let me tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna burn your house down and kill your kids. <laughs> do not put a laser on a damn CNC. These are <laughs> yeah. not fast enough machines to raster quick enough. Now, can you put one of those three watt lasers on it that's a toy? Sure, but my machines are not toys. Every machine that I build is designed to make people money. Um, so don't put that stuff on it. And that's sort of the, the the. that's what people, I hate to say this, but that's what customers like to hear. They, they want you to tell them upfront, listen, I think you're pointing the wrong direction let me help you out with this. And
0: it has, it, it It sounds bad, but I was such a terrible salesman.
1: I had never even considered selling bits or, or selling tooling. Well, you know, I, I had so many customers that said, hey, you know, can we come to you to buy tooling? Well, okay, let me shop around. And then we wind up beating our competition by 50%. I know what it costs. We're a percentage company. So
0: um,
1: we started doing a lot of tooling.
3: I I was not aware of that. Is that that through your website or is that a a subsidiary of your company?
1: It's coming up on the website now. We just started a store. Okay. But but most everybody that buys from us now, uh, we had formed a partnership with a company called Bits & Bits. And I like bits and bits, and we have an agreement. Uh, I, I'll try to sell their stuff if I can, but there's a lot of that stuff that I can buy a whole lot cheaper and that I pass on to my customers. And uh, again, it's about providing somebody with, with something that's not going to break the bank and that they can make money with. And if it's as simple as a quarter inch up spiral carbide end mill. You know, most of those are running 30 bucks on the open market. We do them for 15. Um, It's just, it sounds bad, but everything that we do is going to be prefaced by it's got to be industrial and it's got to be affordable.
3: Well, I'm looking forward to that because, uh, I go through a lot of bits.
1: <laughs> well, you're, you're going to see an interesting video. I, I'll give you a sneak peek. You're going to see an interesting video about a channel called Stated Woods yeah. in about a week and a half. And you will be particularly interested in it, I would think.
3: All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm always looking for, uh, you know, things that are going to make using my CNC a little less expensive. Uh, but without having to sacrifice. And, uh, and that that
1: really is that you said the key word right there. Uh, what I found was over the years, especially using my CNC that I had before I started building them, um, I literally had to dedicate time to all of my jobs to recalibrate. To, to I had to put in time to fix my machine. I literally had to add time into stuff and, once again if it's taking time away you're doing the wrong thing you're not making money
3: now you're uh now you said you use a uh, vcar pro correct
1: yeah well we vcar pro and fusion are are normally we, what we go to we we put a lot of customers on vcar pro we're an oem for them but It really doesn't have as much to do with being an OEM as it is. It's really, really easy to use. And there was another program called Art Cam, which was owned by a company called Dell Cam. And they sold out to Autodesk, Autodesk bought them, put it on uh, the subscription service. And then they sold out again to somebody else. So Somebody else has it. Art Cam and v share some of the personnel back in the day and that's the reason they were so close but i'm going to tell you uh V-Carve is a is a company that v is based out of britain and we deal with them a lot and uh they're they're just fantastic people to deal with it's a good program if you have an issue they'll help you um and, and again that training program that we that we offer offers a just a tremendous amount of knowledge
3: about it i have to agree on the vcarp i mean if, if there's any type of software that someone would hope to have that would come with their cnc or or would help them with their cnc that definitely is the program i mean i mean I never used it before and within 10 minutes, I was like, this is just too easy well, to use. I, I mean, I, I was amazed at well, how easy it is to use.
1: What it breaks down to with software is always gonna be two things. And it's gonna be how easy is it to draw and how easy is it to tool path. And uh, the, the third thing about VCarve is it writes really nice code. Um, now, if when you get into Fusion, Fusion uses HSM in the background, and uh, it does some beautiful tool pathing, but it is a much more advanced kernel. And it's just, you know, I I realize everybody wants the best that there is, but the best means different things to different people. And if you honestly look at it, I bet you 90% of my customers are doing what we call 2.5D work. They're really just making cuts straight down in multiple passes and cutting shapes out yep. they're not doing anything super uh complicated and they're where they're literally trying to save seconds on tool paths because they're doing five thousand parts um so yeah you're absolutely right but v carve is is a really good program to go with
3: no so that's the that's the two I usually use three sixteen v carve i uh I'm actually considering moving up to aspire, but, uh, with, with, with having the ability to use fusion, I'm, 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 I'm struggling no, to you're, move you're to right. that.
1: No, you're right. You're, you, that is, and I hate to say this cause we've got aspire again. We, with it, they give us copies of it, but I, I bought my own V pro years ago. And, um, you are absolutely right. The only thing Aspire really offers that is sort of helpful is if you go into Rotary. They have some really nice wrap. Uh so, some wraps that you can do. Um, but I completely agree. See, as soon as I see something in a spot infusion, in I mean in decarb carb that I can't do, I go directly to fusion.
3: Yeah, okay.
1: Now do you do you have a, th- a 3D connection mouse?
3: No, I don't. I just have just a regular mouse.
1: Oh man, I'm gonna tell you what. If you move to a 3D connection uh, mouse, um, dude, it, it will it will blow you away.
3: I'm, I'm gonna check one out. Does that have like a ball on it or anything like that? It does.
1: That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay.
3: So is it kind of like a? Is it kind of like those? Uh, I don't know. Microsoft used to make <clears> these ball. You know it's the uh, well stay station you had a ball on it
1: it, it uh, it's not really like that it's sort of a, uh i don't know it, it it's a post that sort of sticks up about two or three inches oh, okay and, and uh it is just really really accurate
3: i'm, I'm i think thanks. i favorite. appreciate that i've never I mean, I watch a lot of views. I never hear anybody ever talk about a 3D mouse.
1: Oh, no. 3D connection is the only way to go to use Fusion. Maybe. In fact, I i hmm. I, I, now my, I think my camera's having a problem, but I can tell you, uh, I can't use Fusion without it. I hmm. know that's embarrassing, but I, can, I literally cannot use Fusion without it. I cannot use Fusion with a mouse. I have to use it. It, it sits on your left hand. And if you
3: ever touch one of them, you will never go back. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm looking into that tomorrow. <laughs> it's on my, it's on my to-do list right here.
1: They they have several, several versions. I use the pro version, but any of them work good. I've got one in my portable bag. I've got one in the house, which is a Bluetooth sort of, uh, 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 just a portable one that you can throw down on the table.
3: I'm I'm, I'm fascinated now because uh, I'll be honest with you. I I found the mouse kind of cumbersome on, nah, on Fusion it, 360. It, it, it's, it's it's like oh that'll all go away the second like uh, the second. 500 yeah. buttons you got to remember to use. You know, like shift middle middle mouse button to to do your uh, your orbital, and it's like
1: ah. No, the, I, now, hmm. now see that's the cool thing with with 3D connection, all of that is simply controlled by the by the stick that's in your hand. So if you wanna if you wanna zoom in, you push down on it. If you want to zoom out, pull backwards. If you want to do an orbital, you can twist it right or left. It's uh it's unreal. I I I can't I just can't use I'll be honest with you, I can't use a mouse with any of them. I have to use it.
3: That's uh that's pretty exciting. Anything to make fusion a little more a little more happier place to be at
1: <laughs> right well I, that was my limiting factor with with fusion when i first got it was i just could not get coordinated enough to make the dam to be able to look around inside of a model and then some of my cncs you know they consist of uh 600 700 different doms you know, bill of material parts and, You know, a lot of times if I'm talking to a customer that's had an issue, I'll go pull the CAD and I'll actually start looking at the CAD with them as I'm talking to them. And, you know, it's really important to be able to zoom in. And the the other thing I like about fusion is fusion is a parametric uh, program as opposed to a surfacing program. Yes. So I've used some things like Rhino and things like that. And you always wind up having surfaces that are intersecting that don't, you know, you have truncated surfaces that won't hold water, basically. And uh, you don't have that issue inside fusion.
3: Yeah, I really like that uh, parametric. Uh,
1: and uh, see, I'm lucky because I've got three or four hundred customers that, if I have a problem, I can call somebody. There you go. Uh, I've always got somebody I can call.
3: Okay, so before you start, I'm just just pick. I'm I'm kind of just getting a consensus here. So before you start a project in Fusion, do you create all your user parameters first, or do you build them as you go? How do you like uh, to do it?
1: I already have mine set up every time. So I've got a, all my parameters are set every time when I open it up already. Because I do all of mine the same way, everything. Now, I will say that, that there, you know, I do have a little issue with the way uh, Fusion handles its uh, hierarchy, meaning, you know, parts and then subparts and things like that.
3: Right. Sometimes
1: that gets a little cumbersome in the tree.
3: I, I agree.
1: Um, but you know, there there's a flow there that they like. And if you look at Inventor, Inventor works the same way. So I guess they're trying to keep it that that same way. Uh that's really you know what and again i can't i can't say much better about the 3d connection i have a lot of things on the 3d connection already programmed or if i want to drill a hole i have a speed key for it um if i want to join a surface i have a speed key for it if i want to uh make something a construction line instead of a uh, a regular line i've got a speed key for it
3: right cool yeah i like that that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm getting all giddy now
1: <laughs> yeah well v carve is highly configurable also you know so i have my screen set up on v the way i like it and then i have a second copy so that when a customer walks in they know they get something a little more familiar than looking at mine
3: you know on this subject it's the one thing that just uh, that really annoys me about all these uh well the cam cad programs that i use is the contrast between the background and your drawing lines there i have such a hard time seeing because i'm practically blind anyways so And I have done so many searches to find out how can I make my li- how can I make my draw lines nice and dark so I can absolutely see where what's going on. Right,
1: it, I, it, <clears throat> it's difficult. It is, and so Del Cam, which made Artcam, you could do that. You could actually go in and pick the color of your lines. Oh,
3: man, that would be um, so nice. But I,
1: I, you, you would be surprised the number of people. And and so one thing that Infusion sometimes gets me. Is that damn dotted line? I can't tell it's a construction line
0: because yes,
3: yes, <laughs>
1: construction. And there, I'm trying to use it to split a surface or something, and it's a construction line. And you know, I've i I've, I've, I've literally called a customer and had on team viewer back in with me and tell me, man, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> line?
3: That and that and um uh, uh, sometimes I have a hard time determining whether or not. Like something I've drawn is constrained or not.
1: Well, like, you know Is that well,
3: black or is it, that I can't tell if that's black or blue? It, uh, uh. I,
1: I, I still am not smart enough to understand constraints because you know, you gotta look for the little nail in the corner. And um, <laughs> I look, man, I I be honest with you, I've got a way of doing it which I'm certain is wrong, but it gets done what I need to get done, so I leave nice. it alone.
3: Oh man, a... go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Oh,
2: no worries. Steve, I got kind of a big question for you, but I appreciate I'm learning fusion right now, kinda of on the fly. I got a project that I kind of have to learn fusion for and and I'm so well, first
1: of all, I'm I'm sorry for you, but go ahead. Cause I did ah. the same thing. I learned it in about six weeks.
2: Well, this is a complete pivot on on that. I uh I know your time's valuable and you gotta get on the road and all that, but uh I'm I'm leaving the army in the next, who knows how long in the next year, at least. Um, so I'm getting ready to make a career pivot, but what, uh, having retired from law enforcement and all, what kind of advice do you have to somebody starting a business? Um, I know you're doing international imports and all of that. So you got a pretty complicated business you're running there. What, I, uh, what advice you got?
1: I don't, you know, number one, I will, you know, damn, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like this Cheech and Chong shit where somebody's got all the answers, but I can tell you this: number one, find something that you are willing that that you will enjoy, and you will enjoy while getting kicked in the balls, Um, because. I can't explain to you how many times I get kicked in the balls in this business. And, you know, the the old saying of risk little, gain little, risk a lot, gain a lot is 100% true. And if anybody ever tells you I've got a surefire way to do it, run the (laughs) other direction, number one. Number two, hiring employees is not a bad thing um number three uh your time is valuable and do not deal with people that do not value your time um other than that man you know i uh i i'm you're gonna laugh about this but i did a lot of things man i i made furniture i made jewelry boxes i made gun stocks i did a lot of those things and um in my entire life everybody told me listen you ought to start building cncs and and selling them to people because you really enjoy it and you and i would never listen Mm. and when i retired the one thing that scared me was the first time that I had to spend $50,000 out of a 401k. And once that left and went to somebody else's hands, look, there's just a period of time where you don't know what's gonna happen. And I wish I could tell everybody that it always works out, but it doesn't. So for every 10 things that you're gonna try, you're gonna fail at mm-hmm. nine of them, mm-hmm. And then the 10th, you're gonna do okay but then you do the next 10. And then at some point in time, you're going to hit it on something. And I can tell you, if you're going to do a dime a dozen work, you might as well get ready to be paid a dime a dozen. You have got to find something that sets you apart. And whatever that is, and I learned a long time ago, if you take a telephone book, which a lot of kids don't know what that is nowadays, but it used to, if you took a a New York telephone book, you open the page, you put your finger down on top of some random name, they would have one special thing that they could do better than any damn body else. So if you can find that and you can hone in on it, that's what I would say do. And, And I would tell you that what has happened to me is what I really loved. I, which was getting greasy that was mm-hmm. building things. I've had to learn the other side of this business, which is doing what we're doing right now. It's talking to people, it's training people. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately sales cause I hate sales, but it is what it is, you know? Um, and be willing, be willing to fail. That's all I can tell you. Be willing to fail. Hopefully, you've got a support structure behind you, a family that that can support that and help you with it. But um, a, a dime a dozen is going to pay you a dime a dozen. So if you're going to make plaques, you make the best damn plaques there is.
3: You Amen know? on that.
1: You know, I, I, that's just that. That's all I can tell you. The only thing that sets us apart. is we build the best CNC for the money that there is in America right now. And, you know, you can ask anybody in my shop, if somebody calls my shop and says they have a problem, I will literally shut the damn shop down. I will pull whoever it takes to go get a machine and figure out what's going on with them. Because I know we've interrupted their life. We've interrupted their money-making we've interrupted something and it shouldn't be that way. Um, you know, that's, that's probably the only advice I could give, man. Other than that, I think a lot of things are just chance. And and I wish I could tell you it wasn't, but I, I haven't figured it out.
0: I got to tell you, there's a lot of wisdom in those comments you just made. I'm, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, the very first thing you said was, was uh, find something that you enjoy doing or you enjoy making. Most of the guys in, here in this group, You know, we understand that because we're old enough. I find a lot of times the younger generation, even even my kids age, I got to remind them sometimes, you know, find something you enjoy doing, but it will make all the difference in the world and your satisfaction from day to day.
1: But you know what the bad part is, is Mm -hmm. this is a world of checkers, not a world of chess now. And Mm -hmm. we're used to instant gratification. And we used to, you know, we need it right now, right now, right now. And, and, you know, I, I it's going to sound terrible, but I go to Costa Rica and I see kids down there, guys down there, girls that make six, $700 a month, but they're carrying $1,500 iPhones mm-hmm. because that's, what's been pushed on them. That's what's been, that's what has been expected of them. And so, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, Doing something that you enjoy to do, enjoy doing, is difficult sometimes because I don't think any. I think sometimes we don't know what we enjoy doing. True. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy. I I love, and I'm telling you, I I love when my customers call me and say, "Man, I just made this for the first time. I got one this afternoon." Uh dude that that makes it for me. Yeah. I just I'm so happy when that happens. You know, it helps me forget about when I just jammed my damn finger two hours earlier. Or I hit myself with a hammer or something, you
3: know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can relate to that, Steve. It's uh, when I was. Uh... Go, ahead.
1: Go ahead. Look at what y'all are doing. Come on, man. You ain't got to tell me you don't enjoy it because there ain't nothing going on on a Friday night that your ass needs to be doing this except for because you damn sure ain't making a bunch of money off it, right? You Mm -hmm. can't be. There's no way you can be, okay? You're damn sure not doing it just for young personal gratification, okay? I I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you're doing it for some reason because you feel like you're helping somebody you feel like you're putting some information out there and uh, it's adults that can look at that and see it. And you take a lot of these guys, they have no idea what it takes to produce what y'all are doing. It's not about the money. In fact, you can ask Chris, I just asked him this afternoon. I felt terrible about it because I don't think about it. Hey, man, how do y'all pay for this deal? And and how can I help do it? Because I, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I, I understand what it takes.
0: Appreciate that very much.
3: <laughs> yeah, what I was getting ready to say is, uh, when you were talking about how uh, you get a customer that calls you and, and just makes your day because you know they 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 uh, share an experience and, and a new thing with you that they that they've learned, and uh, I can totally relate to that. And unfortunately, it wasn't in a it wasn't in a job that I loved. I hated this job, but I was really good at it and I did it the right way. And that's why to this day, I have hundreds of letters in my attic of parents and kids who have written to me and thanking me for, you know, providing whatever it was I did for their lives. And it was like, I mean, every time I got one of those letters, it kind of choked me up a little bit. It's like going, you know, be able to sit back and say, man, i that makes being out here all worth it right so you know
1: i I completely understand i i get it a lot i do and and you know the day that i don't like that anymore will probably be the day that i say you know what i've had enough it's time to go do something else Yep.
2: well hey i'm an outsider on here so i'll go ahead and plug it um, if you want to support these guys and what they're doing and they've got a mission, um, if you go to their Instagram account, there's a, a link in their bio to their Patreon page. And, uh, I think y'all got a few, few monthly subscribers and, uh, I know that's what's keeping the lights on as far as your, you know, your zoom subscription and your website and being able to host the podcast. So I'll shamelessly plug it well, when for I, when you guys. I
1: the phone with you this afternoon the first thing i did was go to my secretary's desk and drop a little uh note on her desk to look it up and and see what we could do i i think it's a fantastic uh a fantastic thing to donate to and i'm i'm glad you're doing it there's not enough that there's not enough out there right now and talking with michael uh he's the pilot that's coming in to work with us you know Mm -hmm. um He even says there are these programs in the military right now that, you know, even a lot of people getting out don't even know about. They don't even know it's available Mm -hmm. to them, you know. Mm -hmm. And if it's anything like it was when I was in and when I got out, the big green weenie just keeps running every day. So, (laughs) you know, they, they you know, there's nobody there that really cares whether or not you got the training or whether you did get it. And it's sort of up to you. And he's taking full advantage of it.
3: Mm. You're you're absolutely right about that, uh, Steve. There is a lot of programs out there, veterans have no clue available, even the ones that are provided by the Department of Defense, Department of the Army, Department of Navy, all of those, and the VA that a lot of people don't know. And we kind of touched on that uh our last podcast when we started talking about homeless veterans. So it's uh, you know, it's it's definitely um, especially a lot of older veterans. You know, maybe before 1990, there's a lot of vets out there who don't even get benefits that are disabled, you know, because they weren't, they didn't, they didn't know what to do. They just, you know, they just got out and moved on with life and now they're paying the consequences of whatever injuries or, or, or you know, wound or whatever it is that they got while they were in service and they don't even know what to do about it. You yeah. know, it's a, it's, a, it's a shame. But, you know, I, I think they're I think it's really been coming around, at least in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, they're definitely getting better in, in, in educating veterans on, you know, what they could do to help them to when they get out, uh, you know, as far as disability programs, rehabilitation. I mean, there are so many educational and retraining programs out there that cost absolutely nothing that are funded all by the government and, and, and the veterans administration. And uh, they're, I mean, they're just waiting for someone to come to the office and sit down with them and see what they could do for them. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's where social media comes in um, getting that word out and, uh, having advocates to do that. And unfortunately we get tied up in our personal lives so much that we don't have time to do that. And and we don't have time sometimes to stick our hand out and help somebody. And, uh, you know, for those of us that has, have been down that road, it's, uh, it's a different story, but, you know, for the average person, um, and I maybe I'm wrong about this but you know now I don't think being a veteran is looked at the way it used to be um I don't think anybody appreciates what it takes to wake up in a free country anymore um I you know and I maybe I'm wrong about that but I feel like now um it, much like law enforcement, they have that. A lot of people have the attitude of, "Hey, you got a paycheck, so you know it's part of your job to die. Um, it, it's part of your job you got paid, so if you got killed, you were compensated." Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I see a lot of anymore, and it's sort of sad, you know. To be honest with
3: you, I, I totally agree with you. It's uh, it's in a lot of places. I mean, it's really. I mean, it's almost hostile to be a military member. I mean, it's just kind of I, crazy.
1: Man, I, I yeah, I, I understand. I don't want to even go down that road. Neither
3: I, do I. <laughs> mm-hmm, We're I
1: not just, a
3: politician. <laughs> a politics I just,
1: show. Oh, yeah, I just don't have a lot of patience for that. And, <laughs> you know, no matter what they did in the military, they spent their time, they did their duty. For the most part, most people do not wake up in the morning to do a shitty job. Mm -hmm. They, they, you know, and no matter who it is, even, you know, the worst recruit that there is, um, for the most part, they're there to do the right thing. Cops for the most part are there to try to do right. They're not there to hurt people. There might be 2% of them that are just, you know, a holes, but you know what? The, The most of them are there to help people change tires and, uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that this program that we're doing, I will tell you, Izzy Swan, if you watch his channel, he's getting ready to start a uh, training program down in South Carolina that um, he's going to be doing some work with veterans also. And he's inviting, you know, as many vets as will come down and spend time in his shop. We're providing some equipment for him down there. And mm-hmm. he's they, he may be he's, hes not a veteran, but um, he has a—he has a real big heart, and uh, he, he veterans have a special place in his life, and um, so we're—we're we're helping him get that going. And Michael's going to help us a lot um, with his expertise in how we can get other recruits in here to help train them and get them up and going. And for him, see, he lives out of state, so we're going to put him up here and let him stay in the apartment while he's working here for about uh, 12 weeks.
3: Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Well... Steve, I, I you know, I think we probably held you way longer than you were expecting. Yeah. <laughs> Look,
1: I, I appreciate that I, I really do. I, I wish uh, I wish I could bring more to the table, but hmm. I will tell you when when y'all get ready to get some equipment or you need some equipment, you call us and, and I can promise you we can find a way to help you out. Hmm. Uh,
0: That's
1: awesome. And whatever you do, keep doing what you're doing. I don't know what drives you to do it. and, and I, I guess that's not the important part, but uh, just just keep doing it. And Chris, you've got my number and, and if you don't see something in there from us within the next week, you call me and give me hell about it. But yes, sir. I, I do appreciate what y'all are doing. I really do. I, I wish there was uh, I wish there was more groups out there like that. But, but unfortunately the calls that I get most of the time are wanting something free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, I always try to be as, as polite as I can be, but, uh, you know, I show me what you've done. Well, mm-hmm. what, what, what have you done? And then we'll have a conversation.
2: Well, can I jump in there with the military minute plug there? I, uh, I think is a perfect segue into it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, So, a guy I work with right now, he's a a 20-year vet and uh, combat wounded back in Iraq and actually was one of the first to uh, put in a a back implant to be able to stay in the Army. It it sends signals to his nerves 24-7, kind of suppress a lot of pain he's got. But um, he's going through his terminal process, you know, going all the classes and VA claim and all the works there. And so, just on a whim, I I was looking at the… The VFW again from a fresh set of eyes. You know, I talked to a guy outside a grocery store in Columbus, Georgia, a few years ago, and he he asked me to join. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought, that's, you know, it's not my time. I don't feel quite right about it. But uh, I looked at at, uh, their organization as a way to help him out. And they've got everything from insurance claims to help with your VA. As you're exiting to financial advice, travel—I mean, they're like a triple A kind of service—and let alone the things that they do when a veteran calls them personally, and they'll, they'll do things to you know help help from anything from you know fixing a water heater to helping somebody in a time of deep need. So I I think that's the best organization to plug, and uh, just as a young service member, you know, soon to be veteran. Looking at that organization from a fresh set of eyes, just some some statistics there. Um, there's 6,200 posts across the U.S. and world. Um, their average age is 67. So you're looking at Vietnam vets and uh, over 400,000 of their members are over 80 years old. So you're looking at, you know, the last of the, the World War II and just post World War II age there. So uh, that's a dying organization if we don't breathe life into it. So uh, I challenge you guys to go get, get into your local VFW post and, and consider membership.
0: That's
3: great. Thank
0: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome.
3: awesome. All right. Well, this is the time we close on down the show here, and uh, I'd love to thank you, Stephen, for uh, coming on the show and, and sharing a little bit of your knowledge and experience in the world of CNC and manufacturing. It's been a real pleasure Uh, I mean, I I think you guys are doing great things, and I definitely, um, (laughs) a lot of my questions I ask is, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm kind of shopping, but, you know, just saying. uh, I understand,
1: and I mean it, you you call us, and and we'll be glad to try to help you with anything, and and again, I I appreciate what y'all do, and if there's something I can do for you or something my company can do, Um, You pick up the phone and and look, we're always open. Um, We're open to anybody. If somebody wants to come down and take a look and and talk CNC, we're open to everybody, man.
3: Nice. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been been doing a little research and I'll be honest with you, Stephen, I I think you guys are on the right track. You definitely, um, I think... I think you're the target you talked about earlier is upsetting the the industry and things like that and i think you're doing a mighty fine job at it and i think you're you're fine i think you might actually be that company that's going to bring everybody else around or else they're going to get out of your way i mean i think that's exactly what's going to happen
1: yeah that's exactly what we want them to do
3: all right well i'll let you uh I'll let you get out of here. Thank y'all guys. A so long much. drive.
1: I'm gonna go do about a three and a half hour drive.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, Sounds good, Steve. Steve
1: safe. Safe. Really thanks, for safe. Safe. Thank you. you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye.
3: Bye. <laughs>